0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. We'd increase our desire for you in the scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is undoubtedly the most famous hymn of Advent, and our readings at Mass this weekend give us the story behind the name. It begins with a passage from the book of the prophet Isaiah, but we'll need some background. Ahaz is the king of the tribe of Judah, but the people of that tribe are facing the threat of invasion from two other tribes, the Aramites and the Israelites. In fact, in verse 2 of the same chapter, we're told that the hearts of the king and the people were trembling as the trees of the forest tremble in the wind. So God tells Isaiah to go meet Ahaz, the king of Judah, and assure him that every little thing is going to be all right. To prove that every little thing is going to be all right, God wants Ahaz to ask for a sign to give him assurance. That's where the passage picks up. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. But Ahaz answered, I will not ask, I will not tempt the Lord. And We might, at first, read this as a very pious and appropriate answer. I mean, after all, we should not put our Lord to the test, right? Well, Isaiah's response shows us that when God wants to display his power in signs, Ahaz's answer is the wrong one. Isaiah says that God actually is going to give Ahaz a sign anyway, and here's the sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. Okay, now we've got a bunch to explain about this very famous line. Firstly, the word used for virgin here in Hebrew means something much more simple, like a young girl. But when the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek, what we call the Septuagint, The word for young girl in Hebrew was changed into virgin in Greek. But either way, the sign God gives to Ahaz is this Do you see that young girl over there? She's going to have a son and name him God is with us, because that's the literal meaning of Emmanuel. And although our excerpt at Mass ends there, the verses in this story continue in describing how before that child named God is with us over there learns to reject evil and choose good, the land of those two kings whom you dread shall be deserted. Some Christian denominations will hold a line of thinking that the Bible says all human flesh is bad, sinful, and irredeemable. After all, St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, that the concern of the flesh is death, but the concern of the Spirit is life and peace. But here, in the very beginning of that same letter, Paul says that Jesus descended from David according to the flesh, and the very same word used for flesh here, sarks, is the same word he'll use later on throughout the letter. It's, of course, what we remember at Christmas, that Jesus became incarnate according to the flesh, so that he might one day redeem all flesh through the resurrection from the dead. From there, we have our gospel passage from St. Matthew. As we've discussed previously on the show, marriage worked much differently back at the time of Mary and Joseph. It was a two-step process, which had first the formal exchange of consent, and then the taking of the bride from her family home in procession to the groom's home. That's when the big celebration went down, yet the legally binding aspect of the marriage was seen as the first step, the formal exchange of consent. It's between steps one and two that our gospel story occurs. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. This period of time between steps one and two in the marriage was more serious than what we know as an engagement today. Or it was more like the couple was already husband and wife, they just weren't living together. The penalty for a bride who was found to be unfaithful before the living together part of the marriage was extremely severe. The 22nd chapter of Deuteronomy dictated the death penalty by the men of the city. This harsh penalty was seen as a response to the shame this woman had brought upon the community and also a deterrent for future infidelity. Because of this, Joseph makes plans to divorce Mary quietly. Without getting too bogged down into them, there are three main theories as to why Joseph would have wanted to divorce. The first is that he was doing so out of kindness and mercy, believing her to have been unfaithful. The second, similar to the first, is out of obedience to the law, knowing that if he didn't divorce Mary quietly, the only other course of action would be the death penalty. Yet the third possibility is quite different from the first two. Some scholars believe that Joseph already recognized something truly supernatural at work in the life of Mary, and thus wanted to divorce her because he saw himself as unworthy of whatever God was doing. Regardless of his exact motives, an angel, of course, appears to Joseph in a dream and recounts the story of Mary's conception through the Holy Spirit. Joseph obeys and takes her into his home, going through with the marriage as first intended. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this fourth Sunday in Advent in Year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the Scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.